Hi, everybody. Well, I hope you had a great week. We're going to have a great weekend. I'm going to talk about facing life's challenges. A few years ago, a young man backed out of his driveway in Boston. He heard a thump, and as he got out of his car, he could see his stepdaughter lying motionless under the car. Thinking that he had killed her, he went into the house, picked up a gun, and shot himself. An ambulance took the child to a nearby hospital where she was found to have suffered only some minor cuts and bruises. She had simply been knocked unconscious. A 15-year-old straight-A student shot himself to death after he mistakenly thought he had killed a friend in an all-terrain vehicle accident. They had collided in the dark, driving with no lights. Thinking he had killed his friend, Michael Dixon took off running. Within an hour, he was dead from a self-inflicted shotgun blast. His friend had only been knocked unconscious. Two real people who, when faced with a real crisis, gave up. They quit. They took their own lives because the situation appeared hopeless. Now, was the situation hopeless? Of course not. But they refused to wait and see. Well, a lot of Christians also give up, quit, run, and refuse to hold on when trouble strikes. Maybe they don't commit physical suicide, but they commit spiritual suicide. You know, some examples. Israel turned to a golden cow when Moses spent too long on Mount Sinai, impatient. Job questioned God when he was going through his hour of trial. In Job 23, beginning at verse 2, it says, Even today my complaint is bitter. God's hand is heavy in spite of my groanings. If only I knew where to find him, if only I could go to his dwelling, I would state my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. And don't we all want to do that occasionally? And then there's Peter, you know, at the crucifixion. I'm going fishing, going back to my old job at the club. Unfortunately, these attitudes reflect a total lack of faith. The Israelites, Job, Peter, you know, at least for a while, forgot that God had everything under control. And that can happen to you and I. So let me give you three simple guidelines to use in facing life's difficult situation. You ready? Number one, don't limit God. You know, since God is God, turn him loose on the problem. Let him be God. In the book of Hosea, chapter 4, Verse 16, gives us one of the shortest histories of the nation of Israel. How'd you like this on your resume? For Israel slides back as a backsliding heifer. That's it. She's always going backward. Tragic. And then Psalms. Psalm 78, verse 40 to 42 in the Living Bible. Oh, how often they rebelled against God in those desert years and grieved his heart. Again and again they turned away and tempted God to kill them and limited the Holy One of Israel from giving them his blessings. They forgot his power and love and how he had rescued them from their enemies. Wow, they limited God. I wonder if that's going on in our life in some area.
These scriptures give us the reasons for this, and it it lists maybe five great sins of Israel, two of them being, number one, they limited the Holy One of Israel, not the devil, they did. And second, they didn't remember his power. And folks, that's quite often where we are, isn't it? We too limit him, and we too forget his mighty power in a crisis. We're too prone to measure God by our standards. We drag him down to our level, and we end up with a God as small and limited and helpless as we are. That's terrible. But regardless of your circumstances, God's still God. No mountain is too high. No situation is too hopeless. God is God. He laughs at the things men call impossible. Listen to Isaiah chapter 40, verse 10, and then a few selected scattered verses in that chapter. Oh, see, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and his arm rules for him. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, or with the breadth of his hand, marked off the heavens? Who who said and held the dust of the earth in a basket? Or weighed the mountains on the scales and hills in a balance? Who has understood the mind of the Lord or instructed him as his counselor? Uh Uh-huh. Whom did the Lord consult to get their opinion and enlighten him and to taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? Surely the nations are like a drop in the bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales. He weighs the islands as though they were fine dust. Then he says, to whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Go ahead, make my day, says the Holy One. Lift your eyes. Look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one, and calls them each by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them goes missing. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the week. Wow. God thinks he's God. He has never been, nor will he ever be, at the mercy of your circumstances. Instead, he rules them. Whether, you know, whether he needs to make a dry path through the Red Sea, or turning a rock into a water fountain in a desert, or giving a blind man 20-20 vision, or raising the dead. The impossible becomes possible with him. Psalms 37, verse 5, says, Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him to help you do it, and he will. That's God's word to you and me, and our job is believe it. I don't care if you're down to nothing. God can begin with nothing and produce Now, man can invent, but God can create. You want a little contrast between you and God? You know, hold out your hand and create something simple. How about a blade of grass? 
I'm waiting. See, man can't, but God can. And he's created hundreds of zillions of them, and you and I have cut them every summer in San Antonio. Philip Keller, in his book, A Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm, says our view of God is often too small, too cramped, too limited, too human. I love what Mother Teresa once told her supervisors. She said, I have three pennies and a dream from God to build an orphanage. Well, they said to her, you can't build an orphanage with three pennies. You can't do anything with just three pennies. She said, I know, but with God and my three pennies, I can do anything. Oh, I love that. So face life as it comes by not limiting the Lord in your life. Let God be God. Take the restraints off of him. Remember his great and awesome power. I mean, he can extend the years of your life. He can hold the sun still. He can open the Red Sea. He can feed you with dark, unclean birds called ravens. And he can feed you with unsaved people who God will use and touch to meet your need. Don't limit what God can do. Number two, don't always try to dodge your difficulties. Face them and grow. You know, way too many people run from their trouble. But it's still true. It's not what happens to a man or woman, but what they do after it happens that makes the difference. You can take difficulties, tragedies, failures, and view them as problems, or you can use them as opportunities for growth, as opportunities to be built up, as stepping stones in your quest to become more Christ-like. And Jesus proved it. He took the worst thing that could happen to a man, the cruel, torturous, unjust death on a cross, and turned it into the best imaginable possible thing for mankind called redemption. I know that several of you play golf poorly, <laughs> but I can't possibly imagine a golfer who would insist that all the difficulties on the course be removed. You know, level the hills, eliminate the sand traps, fill in the water holes, straighten out the dog legs, do away with the out-of-bounds markers. Well, who'd want to play on that course? The difficulties are not there to hinder you. They're there to challenge your game and improve your skill. You know, it's a proven fact. Rivers get crooked by dodging difficulties, and the same is true for men. What if Moses had chosen not to suffer affliction and refused to tell Pharaoh, let God's people go? What if David had run from Goliath? Never know his name. What if Daniel had chosen to bow down and worship the golden image and had stopped praying, although there was a law against it? What if Paul had chosen not to suffer persecution by carrying the gospel to the Gentiles. You and I wouldn't be here. Would they have been better off in the long run by dodging their difficulties? Absolutely not. Their difficulties made them better and greater men. And look at what they accomplished. 
Frankly, I have never improved my game or my life in any area that did not occur because of difficulty at the time, because of the problem, whether it's social or economic or relational or marriage, nothing will make you better like a problem. You'll have to sharpen your skill. You'll have to learn something you don't know. You'll have to persevere when it hurts. It'll pull you out of your comfort zone. But one day you'll look it back at something that you dreaded, and today it's like water off a duck's back. Doesn't even phase you. See, look at what our God has promised us. Grace sufficient, never failing love, always to be for us, to supply all of our needs, and that his strength would be made perfect in our weakness. Listen to him in Hebrews 13, verse 5 and 6. Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you, so we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. In the Amplified Bible, the same scripture, it says, He, God Himself, has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake, nor let you down, or relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. So we take comfort and are encouraged and confidently and boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be seized with alarm. Now that takes courage and that takes faith to believe what he said. Now, you may be in a difficult situation, but he's reminding you he's there in that situation. He has not forsaken you. I get the idea that the Lord means what he says and says what he means. You know, if you and Jesus have a problem in what Jesus is saying, rest assured the problem ain't with Jesus, okay? He wants you to accept the truth of his promise. In Joshua 1, verse 9, listen to what he says, this great warrior who now is going to lead the nation of Israel since Moses has now departed and stepped off the stage of history. Have not I commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go, even if it's to jail, even if it's divorce court, even if it's bankruptcy, even if it's drug addiction. I will not leave you. But when he says be strong and be courageous, it means you're going to need it because you're going to face some very awesome difficulties. And that phrase, be strong, is found over 300 times in the Bible. And it means to be courageous, valiant, strengthened, established, firm, fortified, and mighty. Listen, folks, God did not keep the three Hebrew children out of the furnace. You know, I, I think it's true of human nature. Sometimes God delivers us out of the fire, and sometimes God delivers us in the fire. Most of us would appreciate being delivered out of the lion's den, out of the fire, but oftentimes God delivers us in it. He didn't keep Daniel out of the lion's den. 
He did not keep David from facing the giant Goliath. Noah still had to ride out the storm in a stinky, smelly boat. Paul still had to go to prison. The Lord simply went through the trial with them, and he'll be with you. He was there. He didn't leave them or forsake them. You know, God does not always help us by removing tests, but he helps us by making the tests work for us. Satan wants to use them to tear us down. God wants to use them to build us up. And third and last, learn to wait. Boy, this is patience and endurance. I cannot remember a single time God ever got in a hurry or ahead of himself. Can you? I've been told by a few developers of people buying a piece of property for $50,000 and then holding on to it for several years and selling it for $500,000. Think about that. Hundreds of thousands of dollars by waiting. But we are the most impatient people in the world. If it's not on, your lunch isn't on the table in 15 minutes, it's free. And then we become Christians or we come to church and we think God works on a watch, a clock. But he doesn't wear one. See, most people can't, can't seem to wait. They sell out. They, well, I haven't got a husband yet. I know I'm only in my 20s, but I'll be in menopause in just a few years. i got to get married now. And they marry somebody warm and breathing with a zipper. That's not patience. That's not getting God's best. You know I mean, God, God isn't moved by your age or the fact you have a child from a former marriage or something. God's God. He's got somebody who thinks you are a drop-dead knockout. But if you're going to go ahead and hurry, if you're going to go ahead and be impatient and jump, you're going to miss the best God has to offer. You get in a panic. They sell out. They pray, Lord, give me patience. And I mean right now. The country western band, Alabama, once sang, I'm always in a hurry to get things done. I rush and rush until life's no fun. All I really got to do is live and die. But I'm in a hurry. And I don't know why. <laughs> See, the I got to have it all and I got to have it all now, that drive in our culture is everywhere. So to get what I want today, we see generous incentives, rebates, markdowns, sales packages, and good deals, all creating desires we never knew we had and that we definitely didn't need to make me impatiently commit to something when I reasonably shouldn't buy it and can't afford it. Nevertheless, David said in Psalms 27, verse 14, wait on the Lord, be strong, and take heart. Now, he's telling you that you're going to need that strength and to take heart because your, your body, your flesh is going to feel like it's never going to work. It's never going to come through. I'm never going to get this. I'm never going to achieve it. I'm going to be too old or I'm going to be too weak or nobody will want me or I may not get that job. Be strong. Take heart. Isaiah 40, verse 31. But they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. So, folks, God has spoken. 
and his word can be trusted. You can take it to the bank. Things will work out. God's working on it. And at the right time, the Lord's time, the answer will come. Just wait and you'll see. Philippians 1 verse 6, Paul says, being confident, are you? Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Folks, I have stood on that verse through every adversity imaginable in my career and destiny. And we're still standing. People have come, people have gone. People have threatened, people have sued. But we're still standing. And what God sets is unshakable. And what you decide to do is very shakable. So I'm telling you, you need to memorize that scripture. Philippians 1, 6. Being confident that what God promised, God will perform it. If he has to make you live to be 100 to have a baby and renew your body and your reproductive organs, he will. If he promised you'd have a kid. Yeah. I'm, I'm saying if he has to back up the clock, uh, make the sun stand still, whatever he has to do to make that promise come true, he will. He will. And I have comforted myself in trials and afflictions over and over and watched it come true every time. So be confident. Wait, and you will see the salvation of our Lord. Charles Simpson told me 40 years ago, he says, Rick, we judge too quick. He said, they can put you on the front of Charisma magazine and you can be the October playmate of the month or something in the Christian magazine, you know. And he says, it doesn't make any difference at all. Wait and see. And boy, a lot of glamour boys and glamour girls aren't even in the race. A lot of churches that started are gone. Splash and dash, they make noise, make money, but make no difference and they don't last. But if God's in it, it'll stand the test, and it will happen. If God made that promise, God will hold the sun still until it does. So he says, stand still, and you'll see the salvation of the Lord. So if we won't limit God, if we'll learn to face our difficulties, and if we'll be patient and wait on the Heavenly Father, we'll grow, we'll mature in Christ, Life won't be just a, an endurance race, but more of a dressing room for eternity. So three thoughts, three takeaways as we close. Don't limit your God. He can do anything but fail. There is nothing too difficult for the Lord. Second, don't run. Face your difficulties and grow. Don't run from your marriage. Don't run from your adversary. Don't run from a bad report. And third, learn to wait. Learn to wait. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit summitsa.com.